Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. from the Vegas studios it is weekend geek update smurf back from a long road trip and con life and oh my god so many things to tell you about so let's get you up to date but first let me tell you about our sponsor Susie Q's who is the crafter of fine jewelry that you will never find anywhere else unless of course you run into a set of con uh go to suzyqs.com get in there christmas is here guys so if you're looking for something unique and something to impress and wow and to leave an impression go to suzyqs.com and check out her her vast inventory of different items that you could give to someone that will go wow this is fantastic so there you go check it out um suzy and i went on uh a trek across the country. Well, not a trek. I guess we just went to Seattle, but that just feels like it's across the country. And we'll talk about that. We'll go into Emerald City, how things went, con life in general, not to mention my take on a few things that caught my eye in the geek verse that's been going on since I've been gone. It feels like forever. Not that I ignored you. Not that I didn't miss you. Just didn't get time to sit down and actually talk about stuff so what is some of the things that i saw out there that that caught my eye like i mentioned before emerald city comic-con was very long i don't think i don't think four-day cons are a good idea right now my god it was just it was long did i mention it was long yet it was just long but the turnout was what i expected I know that the attendance is limited because of the pullback with uh, Rona and everybody just being cautious as we move forward towards the new world as it is after after the plague. And the people were cheery. They were in high spirits. I think there's just too many cons, too many events going on because I'm also getting feedback on C2E2 this last weekend. And attendance isn't, again... A big impact, but it wasn't exactly what they had expected. Is this because of Rona? Is this because of the holiday season? Is this because there are just too many cons crammed into the fourth quarter and everybody just is, I don't want to say conned out, but they you've got all of the holidays, you've got all of the cons, and traveling just is not what it needs to be. So it's very difficult to say. Did I have a great time in Emerald City? Absolutely. It was so worth going, and it felt good just to be back in a con, in the ability to sit back, talk to people. There are cosplay photos up on the 5280 Geek page, on the web page, as well as Facebook. So check them out. There are more pictures coming. I just haven't put them up yet. I'm just kind of peppering them out there because there's just been so many events. I have other stuff like like on my Ghostbusters side. There's pictures from the parade I hadn't even posted yet as I was going through everything. So I'm playing catch up and I just kind of want to pepper everything. So you at least get a you know a little tidbit here and a little there. I don't want to just throw it all at you and then you're like, okay, I've I've been I've been overstimulated. I can't I can't take any more cosplay. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of throwing it out there gingerly. 
Did I pick anything up of honorable mention? Eh, I picked up a couple of hole fillers. The one book that I was looking for was humongously overpriced. Uh, there are limits to even what I will spend on comic books. And the one book that I set out to purchase. So I do this so I don't go nuts. Uh, when I go to cons, I want to make sure that I just focus in on one book. Otherwise, I just get too easily distracted. I go to the con. If there's too many books in my head, then I'll, I'll be all over the place. So I have found that it's easier just to focus in on one specific title, one key book that I would like to come back with. This, of course, was for 134. Now you're probably asking, what is the significance of Thor 134? Well, I'll tell you. It is the first appearance of the High Evolutionary, who I think, in my mind, is going to be one of the next big characters uh, on the villain side that Marvel breaks out. We've seen Kang the Conqueror, and the High Evolutionary does play a unique role moving forward, or it has in the Marvel Universe with Thor, with the Avengers. He's even tangled with the X-Men on a, co uh, a couple of occasions. So... The speculation is out there, not only for me, but evidently everyone else is kind of along the same lines as far as what what could possibly happen with this character. And, of course, it is a Silver Age book. It's not, you know, easily found. However, one vendor that I had come across had a, a hefty price tag of $550. Wasn't slabbed, not... In the greatest condition, I wouldn't call it a rag, but there there was there was some there was some heavy reading of that those issues that he was sitting on. So needless to say, I did not return with a Thor one thirty four, and it's back back to looking around and seeing if I can find one. Other than that, everyone seemed in high spirits. The con atmosphere was fun, and everyone followed social distancing masks and and what have you so all in all positive experience happy to be back at it we've already seen some announcements for cons next year we do know when emerald city will be back next year but i will save that for another podcast as i get other dates i want to give you guys kind of like a comprehensive breakdown on cons for next year i think that there's going to be another rush kind of like we saw this year, where everybody just tries to shoehorn in at different times. A lot of the cons have adjusted their timetables accordingly, trying to get back to their normal schedules. So there are some interesting, uh, I wouldn't say conflicts, but things you may want to consider when you're looking at cons. So what I'm going to do is I will put together what dates, what cons I think stand out in my mind that are must must attend if you're you're looking for something different or something that that you don't want to waste your time or if you're looking more cosplay if you're looking more comic driven are you looking more media there are all of those different cons out there because even uh san diego comic-con i talked to uh, a couple of attendees that had went out there and they were not too impressed with what they received bang for the buck was not there even the vendors that usually are there were not. Of course, none of the publishers were there. Even for Emerald City, I think uh, Oni Press was the the big one there. No Marvel, no DC. Um, I know Sean Kirkman, who runs Skybound for Kirkman, um, was there, but they didn't have like a very large presence. So 
I want to make sure that before we, we go into the next year, what, what's the best, what's the best approach? What's your tactic? And I got that. So we'll figure it out. We'll do, we'll do it together. We're in this together, folks. <laughs> oh, what else? So moving along, uh, I'm catching up on shows while I've been gone, and I'm just, I can't, I, uh, I'm going to title this my take, Doctor Who, What the Flux. Because that, that is, I, I, I sat down, and that's all I could do was think of what the flux. Because this made no, this, this was just a jumbled mess. What was this? Six episodes of just, I, I, don't, I don't know what I watched. I don't get it. Did I miss something? Um, I, there was the, the destruction of the universe, but there, there wasn't there, there were people that I was supposed to care about, but wasn't sure. Um, things kind of didn't go in any particular order or try to describe or explain anything. It was just things thrown at you. And I mean, I like my sci-fi. I consider myself a fairly quick um, study. I understand things relatively quick. You don't have to spoon feed it to me and I can extrapolate from what you present me, but I don't know what the hell I was presented. I really don't. Um, I, at the end of this, I, the only thing that I really liked and it really was symbolic to me because the timeless child and the issues that came out of the the last series of Doctor Who and and the Doctor not the Doctor that we know and them kind of ratconning, you know, almost sixty years of the series definitely didn't sit well with me and a lot of other fans. Ratings on this show have plummeted even worse than any other of the previous series. So with that in mind, the um, Rat conning of 60 years didn't seem to really make a whole lot of sense, and I would have stopped. But they did kind of try to progress the story. Chimnall's definitely got the death clutch on this whole idea. But I liked at the end where there's the opportunity for the Doctor to realize his their past lives or the other dimensions that we kind of get a brief glimpse into as one universe dies, another, another universe begins so it's it was a very interesting explanation and the woman that found the doctor on Gallifrey was there in what I can only describe as the void we've visited other dimensions we've visited other universes that run parallel along our own and we know in between those universes is the void and it seems like Chimnall just kind of sidestepped this theory and this premise that has already been put in our minds we already know there are other universes but to end this one to start another one and push it into the other one just it there was no it didn't make sense it was just jumbled and the woman that was from Gallifrey to be there also didn't make sense like why is she there the best thing that I can do and understand is the visual we get at the end. Because there is a fob watch just right out of the chameleon arc, same with the TARDIS, that holds all of a Time Lord's memories and experiences and all of that. And the Doctor is holding it and removes something in the console of the TARDIS, which looks like a drain. <laughs> it, you're, you're, and, they, and they really do this weird shot up looking at the Doctor as... She's dangling the fob watch over this hole in the TARDIS, which looks like a drain. 
and then symbolically drops it down the drain. So we can only hope that the timeless child and the symbolic nature of what we witness is basically, yeah, we're, we're putting the timeless child down the drain. It's, it's over. We can only hope. Because now that uh, RTD is coming, Russell T. Davies, we can move past this nightmare garbage fire that has been what the flux and, and just move on. Maybe we can rack on it. Maybe, maybe we'll get a better explanation. There are some questions. There are things out there. But I'll let you decide for yourself. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I'm not as clever as I like to think. And that's absolutely possible. And if you've got an idea or a take on it that you want to share with me, by all means, please send me a direct message. I love getting messages from you guys. So it gives me something to work off of. Otherwise, I'm just sitting here scratching my head wondering what the flux and just thanking God that Chimnall is no longer with Doctor Who and it's over. The, the disaster has come to its end. Unfortunately, we lose jo- Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor who had huge potential. But we will never, we'll never know. That's the bad side. Uh, if she had someone that was decently writing or had a, a better approach, maybe we might have seen something better. But that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Oh, what else happened? Uh, moving along, uh, Flash Armageddon, which is another kind of miniseries. And I like how the shows have kind of done this abbreviated approach and where what the flux kind of fell apart flash has at least been somewhat more consistent in a telling of a story and it's been it's been fun it's interesting um i i don't want to spoil anything on that one because i'm actually enjoying it and we get the final episode tonight uh tonight's Tuesday. yeah it'll be on tonight so we'll see how it finally ends now rumors of robbie amell returning in season eight which will commence in march of 2022 um so we get firestorm back for episodes 11 and 12 now they haven't said any word on why or what's going on but to get firestorm back would be kind of interesting because i think if i'm not mistaken he died he did so and with everything going on i Here's my issue with it. I'm excited to see Firestorm. In fact, I would love to see Firestorm return, but I know that's probably not going to happen. But we don't know if there are other Earths out there. We don't know if if the multiverse is still functioning. We don't know so many things when it comes to the DC television series that it it's it's a bit confusing sometimes. So to see him kind of come back would be cool. And if we do get Firestorm, maybe it's from another Earth. Maybe it's from the future or the past or or however they're trying to try and approach it. But I do like that we did get to see um, Despero on The Flash, one character that I never really thought we would see. Although it was more kind of just more CGI standing in place and looking, you know, omnipotent. And it was it was an okay story. Armageddon wasn't the worst premise that we've seen. That would be the Mad Thinker. But other than that, I'm I kind of was digging it. So to see Robbie Amell return as Firestorm or or whatever, we'll we'll see. Uh, but not a whole lot of information. Other than that, that's that's kind of all we get for that. Also, it landed over this 
current week, just a couple days ago, the new Fantastic Beast trailer, Secrets of Dumbledore, landed, and I'm I'm in. I like it. Uh, <laughs> we get some rule breaking right out of the gate where Muggles actually are in Hogwarts. Uh, I'm I'm really digging the the whole premise and the idea. I don't know how much I'm gonna dig it, but right now it looks pretty good. I know a lot of people are very adamant about their their Harry Potter, but I got to give them credit for trying something different, and at least it looks engaging and just kind of kind of fun. So I'm also curious to see where everything was going especially at the end of the last film so i uh, put a link in the description for the trailer so you can check it out it's also on the website if you go to 5280geek.com it'll be sitting there in the description or in the the post for the podcast uh what else so i got i got a couple of things one which I'm going to wait yet. I'm going to talk about it in a sec. Just ordering my thoughts. So here we go. First off, my take on Hawkeye, or as it has been affectionately known and indicated to me by a few friends, Hot Guy. <laughs> uh, multiple sources have come and kind of told me this in messages that I've received, some direct messages. Are you watching Hot Guy? And uh, I can only assume that they're referencing Jeremy Renner, who has done quite an, an amazing job with the character. Now, this really does pull from Rick Remainder's, Remainder's run on Hawkeye, and um, I never really read the series. I was I was kind of in and out of it. It wasn't really my my cup of tea. It wasn't, what, it wasn't what I was looking for at the time. However, hence, I have revisited just to kind of get up to date with the character and what's going on with the story. Do I like it? Is there a good comparison between the comic and the show on Disney Plus? Eh, there's some similarities. There are some very interesting nuances between the two. However, what Jeremy Renner brings as Hawkeye, I think is better than the comic series could ever hope to be. Clint Barton in the comic is a bit of a hothead. Um, he spent some time in the Avengers where he thought he would lead them better than Captain America, hence why we have the West Coast Avengers, him wanting to branch out and do as good or better job than Cap. Hawkeye's always had this kind of like little ego and kind of chip on his shoulder, and rightfully so. However... Barton delivers the Hawkeye that is more down-to-earth. He's been grounded because of his relationships um, with his children, with his wife, and who his wife, I'm going to bet, was a spy at some point. That's how that all came about. and uh, It's kind of a pull from the Mockingbird character that he ends up marrying in the comics. Mockingbird, of course, later dies in one of the Avengers comics, but... That is kind of the foundation for his relationship moving forward, that him and his wife find, or, you know, are the founders of the West Coast Avengers. And I like that premise. And with Mockingbird passing away, kind of leaves him in his own little world, which in the Disney Plus series, it's the foundation of the character. Hawkeye is probably one of the most unexplored characters with the most potential out of the Avengers film franchise. And I'm disappointed that they're taking this long to get to him. 
Now, watching Renner on Disney Plus, there are some great moments. My God, Renner delivers like flawlessly. In fact, when I was watching the first episode, it really made me think of Tag, his film that um, he he basically it's a, a recreation or based on the story of these guys that have been playing the same game of tag for 30 years and it's a great film it's very lighthearted. it's fun and jeremy renner's character is basically hawkeye it is it is hilarious and it's a great little kind of um i don't know it, it i it's fun i liked it a lot and if you like hawkeye i think you would like tag go watch tag and and let me know what you think because i thought I, I really am a fan of that film now, as I'm watching Hawkeye, I'm I'm seeing some similarities in the formula that we have seen before with Loki. And I mentioned before where, you know, it's fun to beat up on the guy. So every time they need a, a joke, the punchline is Hawkeye gets smacked in the face. There are some really weird things that I'm noticing, and I'm waiting to see what my my theories come out with. But the the big reveal or the big thing that they're hinting at starting tomorrow, Wednesday the episode five is going to break the internet. Now, this could be a lot of things that's going to break the internet. We've already seen hints of the kingpin with Echo as a small child as they kind of did a little flashback in her history, giving us a little background on her and the the um, inner workings of her character. And this weird kind of quick flash of a... a a man with really sounding like uh, like the kingpin and and a big big chunky meaty white hand. Let's just face it, there's nothing small about the kingpin. So it really does sound like there's something going on. So will we get a full blown kingpin? Maybe. With the kingpin also comes Daredevil. We are running around in New York. Everyone keeps saying that Charlie Cox is back and he will be Daredevil. Now, whether he shows up in Spider-Man, which we already know he's kind of going to be in there as the, the lawyer, if he, we get a full-blown Daredevil in Hawkeye and they've just been sitting on this, who knows? We've also seen the Black Widow come back. So it was no big surprise, really, at all. We knew at the end of Black Widow... We were going to continue that story in the Hawkeye, especially with how the final scene was left. And it, it's it's no big surprise in, in the fight, especially when you're trying to figure out who Hawkeye is fighting. And it's it's a very cool misdirect that I think they did a great job on, but it wasn't like a big surprise once you figured it out. And, of course, Hawkeye holds his own. And you go from zero to, okay, this is really serious now, really quickly the series has been kind of slow in my opinion as they they've taken their time to kind of ramp up especially with only six episodes the fifth one plays tomorrow with only leaving one episode and a lot of holes in my opinion as they move slowly we've seen hawkeye in various forms of uncomfortable (laughs) is the best way to put it uh, it, even when it, the, in the first episode where he's at the play for Steve Rogers and, and just the absolute, like, uh, why am I here? You know, and then to the LARPing in Central Park, which is spectacular. And the one line that just continues, I mean, it's been like kind of the running joke with all of us of, I fought Thanos. <laughs> 
as he's sitting there with you know cardboard swords and you know weekender war weekend warriors wanting to you know be Vikings. It's great, but I, I'm really I. I don't want them to sabotage and take away from the Hawkeye character himself. He's he's an impressive, impressive superhero, but we haven't really seen like a full blown Hawkeye. He's he's I don't know. I don't I don't. And it's really difficult to say what he's lacking. And and I can't uh, there. There are are pluses and minuses to what I'm what I'm seeing in the characters. And the reason I say that is I'm is that are we seeing the passing of the torch as we have seen with all the other Avengers? I'm not a big fan of Kate Bishop's character. I mean it's it's nothing um Haley Steinfeld has done, but I, I find the character extremely annoying but then somewhat redeemable. And I don't know if that's just how they're trying to write her to make her quirky. Um in the comic it's it's kind of about the same, but I didn't find her in the comic as annoying as I have in the series, where she just just is is there and expects everybody to know what she knows, which I know is very impulsive. It's very um, when you're young, you expect everyone to know what you know because they've been around for longer. And I get the approach, but I just not a big huge. I'm not I'm not digging it. Uh, as as much as I would like to, and maybe the character progresses and moves a little bit forward. I do like her kind of trying to push the narrative on Hawkeye of that you need better branding, but of course he's a spy. You don't you don't need to brand yourself when you're a spy. But oddly enough, everybody knows who he is. So <laughs> so I guess not being a spy is is okay. But everyone is like, oh. Sorry, we didn't recognize you right away. But everybody knows who Hawkeye is. So he's elevated to that that level of stardom, same as Tony, same as Cap, same as everybody. So what am I saying? I don't I don't know what I'm saying. I like it, but there are parts where I'm just like, I want more Hawkeye. I want more of the Avenger we didn't get to see in the films. I want to see his spotlight. I want to see him go to the next level. Now, we've got the Swordsman, who is in the series as well, and I don't want to spoil. If you haven't figured out who it is yet, I'm not going to be the one to take it away from you. But there is a history between these two characters, between Hawkeye and the Swordsman, that we haven't got in this story, but it does take place in the comics. So there's a bit of a rivalry. I'm waiting to see if they expand on that at all. And I do have a theory that Eleanor Bishop is actually the big bad that's reporting to the Kingpin in this. And that's that's one theory. <laughs> I don't know if I'm right. We'll find out. Because like I said, episode five, according to the mouse, is going to break the Internet. And I really am curious to see what this is. Could it be something that nobody sees coming? Maybe the Hulk shows up in a suit. I don't. I don't know what they would constitute breaking the internet. Is there hope for this character for for Kate Bishop? Sure. I mean, if they iron it out. But like I said, the series is called Hawkeye, and I want more Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner has been absolutely amazing in the bits that we have gotten, and you can see the conflict of him accepting where he's at his friends are gone he's he's kind of you know focused on the family and he's trying to move forward at the same time of 
being responsible and being an Avenger. So it's a fun, quirky little con conflict in and contrast all at once. And I, I'm digging it. I don't know if I love it, but I am digging it. So we'll see what, what tomorrow night's episode is. What breaks the internet? Will it break the internet? Uh, if you've got a theory, shoot it my way. But I'm thinking something short. Now, will it be the Black Widow? Will Natasha show back up and make an appearance? Did she repair the relationship with the mouse enough to appear on the show? I don't know. I, I I would think, but that's also kind of like, yeah, I don't think that would break the internet. That would just be of like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I'm trying to think in extremes what would be so wowing the Punisher? Ooh. Now, see, that would be kind of interesting. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a full-blown Kingpin appearance and that cements us getting the uh, the Netflix series back to the mouse having all of those characters rope back into the Marvel universe which they should have the entire time it should never have been a thing but it is so we'll we'll see i'm i'm excited to see what it is i'll be first thing tomorrow watching watching hawkeye to to see what what breaks the internet cuz i know there's going to be way too many spoilers if i don't so uh no spoilers from here I will let you give you some subtle hints later. Uh, but that's my take right now on Hot Guy. <laughs> uh, what else? We've got Dexter, who I'm waiting. I was going to give you my take on Dexter so far. And what I, the only thing that I want to talk about is episode one. Uh, and I know there's other stuff that's come on, and I'm not completely caught up on Dexter. But what I've seen so far has been... It's been refreshing. It's been great. I love the story. There is some dark, twisty stuff that's going on, and it's cool. The other side is the first episode was spectacular. I loved that we finally get the eternal dialogue, internal dialogue back at the end of the episode because it was just it was so lacking. I miss the you know the shots fired, the just oh the angsty and the just how Dexter is. And they've captured all of that, how it ends and how it's going right now. Very good. But I'm going to wait to give you my full take on it just just for now. Just saying. Uh, what else? Do, do, do. Oh, for the toy collectors out there, the big, big thing um, is the Animaniacs from Ultimates. Uh, excuse me. The Animaniacs Ultimates from Super 7. Uh, it's a huge new wave that they're taking pre-orders on right now. The pre-orders will be accepted up until January 7th and expected to be delivered to you by winter of 2022. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a wait, about a year. But the Animaniacs line has Yakko, Wacko, Dot, and Pinky and the Brain. There's some interesting little accessories that come with them. There is, however, kind of a hefty price tag. As much as I love Super 7 stuff, this um, might not be for every collector out there. And it doesn't come with a water tower. I think if you're going to buy, like, the whole set, you should at least get the water tower that they're showed with. But it is kind of fun. There's some cool, like, poses and stuff. They are very articulated. I mean, as articulated as they are in, in the cartoon. Each figure runs $55 each, 
or if you buy the entire set of five, it's only going to run you 275 bucks, And that's kind of a deal. I'm, I'm thinking just for the... They're great. I don't know. See, the problem is if I'm spending 55 bucks for a figure, do I open it? Because I'm going to want to open it. I want to play with it. I want to play with Pinky and the Brain. And Wacko comes with a mallet. I'm, I can't resist a character with a mallet. It's just, it's just wrong on so many levels. Um, if you want to check it out, go to preorder.super7 slash store, and you will be able to see just how articulated all of the Animaniacs are. It's fun. And if you grew up on them like I did, it is – and the new Hulu series is doing very well. The second uh, season has come out, actually. I haven't watched it yet. Too, too many other things in line to watch one of which was lost in space which i just binged the hell out of that and i'm not sure uh, there's so many things i want to talk about on that but i'm not going to save it i don't want to bore you i know everyone doesn't have the same same zeal and love for lost in space and since it just landed i don't want to give out any spoilers just yet so we'll do that next week now the other big news which um i have a problem with and I'm, I'm actually on the other side of the fence of everybody else on this particular topic. And this will be my last take for today. As I look at Cowboy Bebop being canceled by Netflix after one season. And I'm going to say this as gently as I can. And, and, and as be as, as intellectually poignant as possible. Netflix, you got it fucking wrong. <laughs> you, you, I don't, I don't understand. And there, this sets a bad precedent, especially with things that are kind of going on. The, uh, you only get a couple of weeks, Netflix. I mean, come on. I don't, I don't understand. The problem that this sets is Netflix is only looking at very short term rewards no, nothing you know lengthy nothing it, it, it just needs to be an immediate payoff or not when i've been watching this on netflix every week it's still in the top 10 so i don't understand what netflix has as far as a a hit uh, on its hands i mean even october friction which i i liked but evidently netflix didn't and decided to sack it after one season. But again, it's the same problem as we're facing with Cowboy Bebop in it only going for the one season. <sighs> what all goes into deciding is an excellent question, and I wish I had that answer for you because even I sit here and scratch my head curious to understand and wrap my mind around it. Now, I know they're saying that the the budget that was involved with creating the show was was rather high so i i i i guess i don't know i mean i don't know in comparison and i see some budgets for other shows that i don't really care for all that much with higher budgets that they keep bringing back so i don't i don't i don't get it netflix explain it to me i don't i don't understand because this decision came a very quick, like two weeks into the the release, and I would think, and I thought traditionally, Netflix waits a full twenty eight days 
before making any decisions. Now, to be fair, Netflix hasn't officially announced this is something that came out of the Hollywood Reporter that they were canceling it. Netflix has not gone out of its way to neither confirm or deny Cowboy Bebop's further uh, life on the station. And it's, it's fine, I guess. Now, what side of the fence am I on is I, I think this is a great show. I loved it. I, I, and I know everyone is saying it's not as true to the comic book or the, the cartoon as it should be. And I think that's fine. I think that this situation and what they represented was far better. I think it fixed problems with the original anime, and I've said that once and I'll say it again. It's fixed problems with the original anime, and it's also given us something different. It didn't spoon-feed us the, the same story, but it also gave us a little bit more of an expanse on some of the characters. It gave us a few twists and turns. It explained uh, Spiegel and Jet Black's character was so spot-on. There were so many great elements to this show. And I know a lot of people that agree to a certain point with me. They still also believe that it would probably take another 10 episodes. The series itself only ran 26 episodes and two or three movies. I think it was two, maybe three, um, but a couple of films to tie up everything else. So it, it filled in a lot of things. It did a lot of service, and it even gave a little fan service explaining some of the stuff. There were some great nods to... The, the the cartoon, they didn't dismiss it entirely. It was taken into consideration for everything that they did. Even the voice actor for Spiegel, his picture is is hanging in the ship. So there are these little things that you just kind of have to take into consideration. Now, I know a lot of fans were not happy with choices. I know a lot of fans felt that they missed the mark. But if you watch it, and try not to take that into consideration. It very well had the life of the anime. It had the feel. And it, it's a live action. You only can do so much from a cartoon to a live action. The effects were great. The sets were amazing. Costuming was spot on. I don't I don't even... I mean, even like the, the choreography for the fight scenes were, were great. So I know there's a certain expectation. You don't want to anger the nerds out there. But Netflix, you got it wrong. You, you really did. I think, if anything, it should go a second season. If anything, it needs to be defined. Now, I know there were problems with the show, especially when you're dealing with Rona. There was delays with that. I know that there was also delays when, you you know, your star breaks his leg and you have to wait for them to to finish filming. But all of the characters and everything that they put into this was tremendous. And then when I look at what they're planning on doing, because as I'm investigating this, and if the budget is one of the concerns, they, they announced that they're, they're working on um, One Piece as another live-action series adaptation. And I'm sorry, but I think One Piece would be a hell of a lot more of a budget than... Cowboy Bebop. I mean, and why would you start from scratch in all of this when you have all of these sets and everything already established? You can just finish the series. I'm not saying not to do One Piece. I, I, I've never even watched the show. I have no 
no point of basis on this. I don't care. <laughs> it's not for me. I already know it. Just even looking at the characters, I just, I'm just not interested. I don't care. Cowboy Bebop, I do. At least it's kind of more engaging and more provocative than I think a Bendy Pirate is. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there's more to One Piece than Bendy Pirates. But I honestly think that, that Netflix is completely missing the mark on this. Um, hence, the immediate launching on Change.org calling for the renewal of a second season. So right now, as of this podcast, there's uh, about 2,800 signatures uh, saying not to cancel it. There's also people on there voicing the same concerns and interests that I've mentioned as far as, well, this would be nice, or uh, we, we didn't appreciate this, or, you know, we do think it needs another 10 episodes to get its footing. If they do it, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think they were on the right track. I don't think there was anything wrong with what they did, and the show was, was great. It was absolutely entertaining. In fact, I liked it so much, just like a good book, just before you get to the end, you kind of pump the brakes and you save it. You savor it just to see what they do. And I, w- I wasn't sure which direction they were going to go. I was very curious, and I, I, I liked it. I was satisfied well, as much as possible with the ending, especially it's the end. So, of course, we're going to get a cliffhanger. Of course, we're going to, like, lead into the the next season. And we get a little Tiny Tina ripoff, which <laughs> I thought was kind of funny. I was like, all right, it's cute, whatever. But I, I Netflix, what are you thinking? You're, you got it wrong. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. You got it wrong. I know that I I may be getting it wrong, and I know a lot of purists out there and and everything else, but if you look at each one and admire them for the the setting that they're in, for the media that they are, I, I think both are good. Both hold merit, and both have their pluses and minuses. So I say give it another chance. I say if you haven't watched it, Give it a try. If you've never watched Cowboy Bebop, the animated, even better. Get in there. Watch it. I think it's worth the watch. It's fun, and it's got a little intrigue. We get the backstory. I mean, it, it is such a very well-orchestrated and complete series that I think it's it's very short-sighted and stupid on Net, Netflix part to get rid of it. So that's just my opinion. What do I know? I'm just a nerd. <laughs> Uh, what else? That kind of wraps up this week. Uh, I, I don't want to overload you with too much stuff. And I'm checking real quick to see if there's any adjustments to the nerd sphere out there. But it doesn't look at the moment that anything has changed or worth bringing up. So, uh, yeah. The Spider-Man, of course, is coming out. And I know a lot about... It, but I also know that they've posted a no spoilers. Uh, even the stars and the celebrities that are involved are pushing no spoilers for this movie, and I think it's great. And especially when everyone looks at Tom Holland, who's notorious for spoiling stuff. 
it's great. I, I really think it works out well. Um, I'm excited to watch it, and I'm hoping – I haven't caught up with Spud yet, but I'm hoping that we do get uh, a Kingsman review. And, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. Like I said, this week premiered on Netflix. We got Lost in Space. The Witcher is right around the corner, so I had to power through Lost in Space so that I can completely immerse myself in The Witcher, which is coming out very soon. And Spider-Man. So many things hitting at once. Uh, I'll give you my take on that stuff coming up without a doubt. And we'll be uh, bringing Susie back in for the next podcast or the second podcast. She'll be in back. She'll be back in soon. Uh, Red is also looking to make an appearance. We do have a couple of guests lined up that will be coming in to talk about stuff. One is a screenwriter. We also have one that is designing and has developed a new tabletop game. So we've got a lot of stuff. And we've also got some repeat offenders coming back in to catch up and see what's going on with them. So we are closing out the year. We're setting next year in our sights, and hopefully it'll be just as entertaining as this one. In the meantime, please give us a like, give us a share, go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which will have more stuff coming on that as well as we catch up. So spread the word. It's more than a podcast. It's a way of life. In the meantime, run fast, laugh hard. And always be kind. Good night.